Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This is part 18A. We're going to talk about the events surrounding the millennial reign. I did a little counting today. This is actually lesson 31 of Revelation that we're in right here. This is the 31st lesson right here. So we still got a few more to go. Amen. Before it's all said and done. Amen. Revelation 20 and verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit, the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil. Satan bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loosed a little season and I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy, that's that other, another beatitude there in the Revelation. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. A thousand years. Again, I'm just calling it events surrounding the millennial reign so I can use that for how many letters I got. All right, and don't have to change the title. Events surrounding the millennial reign here tonight. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So dynamite comes in small packages. I'm sorry. I just seen 14 verses whenever I ended last week. Thought, man, we should be able to whip that. Wrong. Oh, amen. And so, although there may be a few verses here, there's not really very many, 14, but there's a lot of subjects that are contained within these very uh, few verses uh, that fall between uh, the, the, the beast and the false prophet from chapter 19 that was thrown into the lake of fire until chapter number 21 where there's a new heaven and a new earth oh, I made us a little timeline to see some of the subjects and I didn't that are covered between then and now here in chapter number 20 and it's a diagonal line because it helped me write better but some of the things that are involved in this chapter number one and this is as best as I could in chronological order namely first that after all this is done of chapter 19 we have the resurrection of the tribulation saints and we'll get to talk about that tonight which we're still a part of what is known as the first resurrection or or a phase of the first resurrection I could say because there's a lot of people we've talked about first second resurrection before it's been several several months ago but there are two resurrections the first resurrection the second resurrection and the tribulation saints and their resurrection is a part of that first resurrection also we'll be seeing the uh, Satan being bound uh, his binding and the millennial reign kind of happen at the same time millennial reign starts when Satan's bound uh, that millennial reign also known as the kingdom of God which is a lot that you read about through the gospels about the kingdom of God a kingdom that has come the kingdom of heaven you read a lot about that a lot of that pertains to the millennial reign that thousand years when Satan is going to be bound thousand years then later he's going to be loosed for a short time and then after that there's another battle man there's another battle in there uh, that's in the book of Revelation here chapter 20 the last battle and it's at the finality or that battle taking care of itself the earth is destroyed by fire the Lord doesn't destroy it by water why because he said he'd only do that once right back in Noah's day so now it's purified or it's destroyed by fire and in the same token all these events seemingly happen you know together simultaneously Satan is also cast into the lake of fire then there is the second resurrection and we'll get to it later but second resurrection is uh, for the most part by and large for the wicked the evil and not the righteous not the good just the second resurrection is for those that are evil and for the wicked and segueing from that straight into the great white throne judgment which again is for the evil 
for the wicked. Uh, that will stand before that. Those that are righteous stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But the great white throne judgment is for the wicked dead, if you will, that was resurrection, the evil dead that was resurrected. Then the second death, the second resurrection, second death is where the grave and what is known as hell or Hades is cast into the lake of fire. Those items are cast into the lake of fire. And then finally we get to chapter 21, a new heaven, new earth. So you can see all these grand things in between here, why we couldn't just talk about them tonight, all right? We could not do that just in one setting tonight. And so when we talk about then this, this, millennial, this millennial reign, and I'll probably be flipping this thing back and forth. I hope no one gets dizzy and you had your Dramamine tonight, amen, but nevertheless. When we talk about the millennial reign of Christ, again, it's something we speak about the kingdom of God, the millennial reign. It's something that was talked about uh, from the Old Testament prophets, and even, as I said, through the Gospels even spoke of it. Many times, again, there are references to that time period of a thousand years where Christ reigns uh, with his saints is a time called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. You may remember in Acts chapter number 1, verses 6 and 7, uh, Christ has been resurrected from the dead. It's coming very nigh to his ascension to ascend up into heaven. And as a result of that, some of the disciples are asking him a question in verse number 6. When, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him in verse 6, Acts 1, 6, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They thought through his first coming, he was going to come as that king and restore the kingdom of Israel back. They were thinking that this was going to be the timing, uh, even from the old prophets of the kingdom of God. But he spoke to them and said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. He said, no, this isn't that time. That's still somewhere down the road in the future. And it's still down the road in the future from where our standpoint is today uh, in life. When we talk about the millennial reign of Christ or, or the kingdom of God, uh, whenever the Lord comes back second coming and he destroys all the other kingdoms of the world and he receives the kingdom that's an everlasting kingdom, the best way that I can explain or help put our minds around this first thousand years, it's like this thousand year period is a phase of the eternal reign. Does that make sense? It, it, it is a part of the eternal reign because Christ, after a thousand years, isn't abdicating anything and he's not giving up, no longer reigning. His reign is going to continue, but there, that's a thousand years of time that he will reign upon the earth that you and I currently live on right now. Now, although the dynamics of this earth are going to be greatly different because we understand through the, tri the tribulation that even the topography of the land Remember, the mountains are going to be removed. The topography of the land is going to be changed. The economy of the land, we know through the tribulation, is going to change. Uh, the political aspect of the land uh, through tribulation is going to change. But this earth, this old earth, it's still going to be this earth. Although some of the dynamics of it's going to be changed, it's going to be this earth that for a thousand years Christ comes back to, he reigns with his saints. And then this will eventually be destroyed and there'll be a new heaven and new earth, but he's continuing to reign. So that thousand years of reigning on this earth is, is kind of like a part of that eternal reign of Christ, part of that first thousand years of eternity. And what's that, eternity? I mean, you can't put a number on that. But nevertheless, so, so it will be an earth. And something else about this earth, it's the earth we're living on right now, but something that it will be then that we don't have now, it will be void of satanic activity because Satan's going to be bound. Those thousand years, while this, this thousand-year reign, millennial reign of Christ is going on, he's going to be bound during that time frame. So imagine a world without any satanic intervention, without Satan, without the devil. Imagine a world like that. Some might be saying, man, I'd like to live in that world. And we'll talk about this when it's so all said and done. The amazing thing is there's still going to be people that's not going to be able to live for God even with Satan being bound for a thousand years. Amen. Early on in our study, and this is getting us to this right here, but early on in our study, uh, like prior to the tribulation, we spoke how there were some different views of the tribulation, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. And I shared with you how there were differing views concerning uh, the rapture, the catching away of the church, and how scripturally I lean a little more so toward 
pre-tribulation? Well, uh, just as there were differing views with, uh, when the, the rapture was going to take place, uh, before, middle, or after uh, the tribulation, there is sundry views also, three major ones, but a lot of sub-ones underneath these, about when the second coming of Christ is going to happen about whether it's going to happen before the millennial reign, after the millennial reign, or whether they think there's a millennial reign in existence at all. Some don't even believe in such of a millennial reign. And I want to talk about those three just very quickly, just in case you ever come across somebody like that. You know, we know, we all know. Amen? All right. And these are terms that they use. I'm not trying to throw out million-dollar words here. It's just terms that they use. All right. And then, so I'm not trying to impress anybody. <laughs> I can't do it. I haven't. You know, I just can't do it. All right. That's just that's just the way that they uh, refer to them. So there are three different views, and there's a lot of variations underneath these views. And I don't want to get tremendously bogged down right here. Okay. But I just want to just highlight uh, some of the three major ones. The premillennialism view uh, that some take is that they take what is written in Scripture in Revelation chapter 20, they take it literally. They take it word for word literally. That the events that take place in chapter 20 are in succession. One thing occurs right after the other. It's in chronological order. So from the end of chapter 19 to beginning of 21, all those things are in order. They happen in succession. They take the thousand years as a literal thousand years they're not trying to you know symbolize anything they take it literally all right and even as you may note in chapter number 20 the 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 chapter begins with uh, the little phrase there and I saw it opens with that phrase and it's kind of it's words and a phrase of continuation it uses that conjunction and and we'll see and all throughout chapter 20 it just seems to be a just stringing all these different events together. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's just a continuation of stringing these things together. And so that being said, the, the pre-millennial view uh, considers that the second coming of Christ, when I speak of second coming, again, not to confuse that with the rapture, the second coming of Christ where God comes and sets his feet upon the earth, amen, the second coming of Christ happening before the literal 1,000-year reign of Christ. They hold to the concept and the idea that this old world is going to get worse and worse before it ever gets better. And I believe that bears very true with Scripture. The Bible says it, the world will wax worse. And so they see the world as getting worse and worse and that things are not going to get better but worse. They're going to get worse before they ever get better. So that is the pre-millennial view. The second view is the amillennialism. Amillennialists in their view, they hold true to the fact that there will not be a millennium reign of Christ. There will not be a 1,000 millennial reign of Christ after the second coming, whenever Christ comes back. There will not be one. And some do not even believe there will be a 1,000-year reign whatsoever before Christ, after Christ, anywhere around Christ. There is not going to be a 1,000-year reign at all. If, they, if there's some of them in this division, there's a lot of dividing them, there's some of them that believe in a, a reign of Christ, so to speak, but they believe it is occurring between Christ's first coming to Bethlehem's manger and his second coming. They believe it's happening right there. And since they believe that, they also then believe that the devil is already bound. That the devil right now in our age is presently bound. And they lean on the fact of Luke chapter number 10 and verse 18, whenever Jesus was speaking to the 70, they come back and said, we had devils subjected to our name. And he speaks to them and said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And so they take this scripture indicating that Satan had fell and was already bound. And here's the 70 coming back, triumphing over the devils, being subjected to them. But Jesus told them of the power that they could have and told them, I, I've already beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. And so they take that and say, well, Satan's already bound. Even in our generation, Satan is bound. Now, I say this. However, if Satan is presently bound, and our world is void of activity of Satan, then I got a bone to pick with them because I want to know who's up my tree. Not only that, I have biblical basis even from the time of Christ's first coming. Consider, and these are not going to be up there, but they're just for your reference. In Luke 22 and verse 3, the Bible states these words, and I'm just giving you the phrase, but you can read the whole thing. Then entered Satan into Judas what for the purpose of betraying the Lord now if Satan is bound why is that 
The Bible says in Acts 5.3, remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They sold their land for a piece. They was going to give not all of it, keep some of it back. The Bible says in Acts 5.3, Ananias, when he came in, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Now, if he's already bound, why is that happening? In Luke 22.31, whenever Peter, Simon, as we know him, is going through a little rocky place, the Lord told him, he says, I've already prayed for you, Simon. Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. Now, if he's bound, there would be no problem with Satan. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, Peter speaks, and he tells us, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh. That means he's walking and is walking. He walks and is walking, present tense, about, seeking whom he may. So if it's bound, what is the deal with all these verses he sure seems to be pretty active if he's bound not only that i think he's still active uh, there's a few testimonies that could probably get we're not having testimony services but there's if we needed to we could have them of those talking about the devil did this the devil did that and not only was he active then but he's active now and he's attempting to be active amen for future generations until the time of the millennial reign when he will ultimately be bound finally is the post-millennialism view. And it's that they hold and believe that the 1,000-year reign of Christ will happen before the second coming of Christ. That he'll have his reign, and then Christ will come. And they hold to this idea. They believe, unlike the premillennialists, they say things are just going to get worse and worse. They believe things are going to get better and better. They believe things are going to get better and better. And here's what they believe. They believe the kingdom of God is resident within the church. And as the church evangelizes new people, that's how the kingdom comes. By our evangelism, we as the church can make things better in our world. Well, I'll tell you what, I wish generations before me would have worked harder. <clears throat> Could make things better in our world. And so after the church does this evangelizing, the kingdom within them make things better in the world, then the millennial reign is going to be here and then Christ is going to come to rule over what we got all together. Uh, that he's going to come and reign and things are just going to get, so that's the reason why they think it's going to get better because the kingdom's within them. They're going to evangelize. They're going to subdue people. They're going to come to the gospel. La, la, la. And that's the way it's going to be. I'll tell you, if you haven't recognized through my maybe uh, teaching thus far, I lean personally to the pre-millennialism. Uh, things are going to get worse, and that's not being negative. That's just being how it is. Things are going to get worse, amen, but there is going to be a time when it will get better, all right? Sometimes it is going to get better. With that being said, whenever we look then at this 1,000 years or this millennial reign of Christ, amen, there are some that draws some parallels from the very beginning of creation, the seven days or six days, if you want to say it that, of creation, seventh day, he rested. The, the days of creation, amen, because many believe and teach that this thousand years is going to coincide with the seventh thousand year time period of the history of the world. Because by and large, and you will not figure this exactly, okay, but by and large from Adam to Abraham is, and this is approximately 2,000 years. And then from Abraham to Jesus, oops, sorry for my S there, is another 2,000 years. And then from the crucifix of Jesus, of this guy right here, until our present day is around 2,000 years. So you have 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, that's 6,000, which getting this leading up to a 1,000-year, say, millennium or 1,000-year time period. And again, this is approximate. I'm not giving you definite 2,000, but it's somewhere around 2,000 period of time. All right? And so... As it was, though, in the days of creation, there was six days and then a day of rest. Some believe then there will be 6,000 years for the history of this world that God made. And then there will be 1,000 years of peace, devil's not active, of rest, if you will, for all that are upon the world. 
Another way that you might think of it is like this dispensationally. Dispensationally, there's different dispensations through Scripture. Number one, starting in the garden as innocence. Oops. Don't, don't look at the spelling here. Please, kids, close your eyes. <laughs> Innocent, I can't spell that for anything. I'm just going to call it in for whatever reason I can't spell tonight. Innocence, the second then would be conscience. All right, dispensation. The third, huh? I spelled that right? Are you being a smart aleck? The third would be human government. All right. Uh, the fourth would be promise. Am I missing something? Someone help me if I am. Five, five is the law. Huh? Five is the law. Six is grace, also known as the church age. All right. And then finally you have what would be known as the millennium or millennial reign or also known as the kingdom. And so you have these different dispensations. The last dispensation still yet to come. We're in the church age right now is the millennial time or the kingdom of God time. And so here you have 6,000 years, six days of creation. Anyway, each followed by rest. Whenever he made the world and there was the creation, he rests not necessarily because he was tired. He rests because he completed creation. He rests because he created everything that needed to be creation. Whenever it comes to the thousand years at the end of time, the rest is not coming because he's tired then either. It's coming because he completed another plan, and that was redemption. Amen. Creation, he, he completed creation, rest. He completes redemption, redemption story. And there is a rest of a thousand years. And the suffering from the antics of the enemy, the devil, non-existence, not, not happening anymore all right amen revelation though chapter 20 it doesn't give us many details about the millennial reign or the kingdom of god except the number of years that it's going to last it speaks of it right here but the only real details it gives about us is we know because like four or six times in that chapter it tells us one thousand years so we're pretty sure about that but we really don't have much else that is spoken in Revelation about the millennial reign or the kingdom of God. But good for us, the Bible doesn't just consist of the book of Revelation. It consists of all the other 65 books. And so there's prophets of old that alluded to that time in their prophecies that give us other information. And here are just a few hand-selected ones from the book of Isaiah that allude to this millennial reign, or I will just call it the kingdom of God of God so where revelation doesn't speak anymore on it except this 1,000 year thing there's other prophets that allude to the kingdom of God Isaiah chapter 2 and verse number 4 alluding to that time frame it says and he shall judge speaking of Christ he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nations that neither shall they learn war anymore, alluding to that time of peace, true peace, unlike what the Antichrist was supposed to bring because Christ will be the sovereign king, the weapons of war, going to be beaten to agricultural instruments because they will practice war no more during that time frame. Isaiah 11, verses 6 and verse number 9, for instance, the Bible says the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. A little child shall lead them. They sh verse number 9 says, They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Of course, there is no satanic venue there. It is total information overload of Christ. Amen, in that time. As the waters cover the sea. And look, not only has peace been brought to mankind, but even to the animal kingdom. There has been a peace that has been brought back to the animal kingdom. In reality, what happens during the millennial reign from what we can gather from Scripture, it's almost like a reverting back to paradise, Garden of Eden type mentality. Peace and tranquility. There is, there is peace even among the animal kingdom. The knowledge of the Lord is pervasive. It's everywhere because he is the one that is reigning. Isaiah 65 and 20 then tells us concerning of that time also, listen, there shall be no more thence an infant of days. 
nor a man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. What that's telling us is this. During the millennial reign, life is going to be going back to being lengthened like it was in Old Testament times. Amen. Those that did not participate in chapter 19 in the battle of Armageddon, amen, those that didn't participate and go to war against the Lord in the battle of Armageddon, uh, and, of course, since they weren't there, they wasn't slaughtered, okay, by the sword of the Lord that came out of his mouth and wasn't coming against him, uh, there's a good chance that those will just pass on into the millennial reign. And it may just be then those who held true to the Lord during the trying times, which there will be, so there will probably be some Jews and some dedicated Gentiles that has held true through, to the Lord all through this tribulation stuff, that the millennial reign that takes place then, here they are living in this time, they're going to be having children. And what it says, it says that a child shall die a hundred years old, for a child shall die a hundred years old. Man, in other words, if someone dies at a hundred, they're still considered a kid. That's what we're talking. We're going back to the time before the flood when years were long. We have Methuselah living, what, 969? Is that right? Years? We have Abraham and Adam. We have these people who are living hundreds and hundreds of years. We're going back to a time frame in the millennial reign where that's going to be the same thing. He said it's going to be, it's not, it's going to be unheard of of an infant dying at birth, an infant of days. It's going to be unheard of. It's going to be unheard of of an old man not fulfilling his days. We're going back to a time frame where they're going to be living out long life. Amen. And another thing is that this millennial reign or this kingdom of God, again, no, it's not so much for the church, all right? Now, the church is going to be reigning, but it's not so much for the church as it is those that are still living on the earth. Amen. They are, they are given an opportunity to live for God under God's rule and no one else's and without any agony from the devil. Amen. For a thousand years. Now, let me tell you, don't try because you're going to lose, okay? If you're getting your mind, well, I'll just wait till the thousand-year middle reign. <laughs> I told you before concerning this being born again of the water and the spirit, you don't take advantage of it then, and I can't go back and reteach everything. Forget it. Your opportunity is done. Now, if you're born during the time frame after that and so on and so forth, that's a different story. But evidently, children are going to be born during this time all right, the infant's not dying at birth, 100 years old, still be considered a kid. Life expectancy is going to be increased. Amen. And so with this happening, children being born, their lives being long, it's not going to be too difficult to repopulate the earth that has lost millions upon millions of people through the times of tribulation. All right? It'll be difficult that there be millions and millions of people, amen, that were lost, that it could be somewhat repopulated because, you know, Johnny, when he's 100, you know, he's still kicking it up. He's still got it, you know, so on and so forth. You know, you're living on and on. For, there, it's quite possible someone that was born toward the beginning of the millennium could still be alive toward the end of the millennium. And if they're still repopulating throughout the thousand years, there could be a good number of people. I don't have the, the math uh, head in order to figure the, even the statistic possibility of that, but there could be a possibility of several people, amen, that will be up on the earth then at the end of the millennium, living under the rule of Christ without the interference of the devil for a thousand years. Wow. But before we get to the next little stage of Satan being loosed, first he's got to be bound. And that's what happens in the opening of this chapter along with the start of the millennial reign. Satan has to be bound. The Bible speaks that there's an angel that comes with a key in verse number one and two to the bottomless pit. Uh, if you go back to Revelation 9, we've seen someone who opened the bottom, bottomless pit before that had a key that was given to them. At that time, we gave some possibilities. One of the possibilities that we uh, portrayed was that it may have been even Lucifer himself because the key had to be given to whoever it was in Revelation 9, amen, and you don't have the key to his own house, amen. Christ has that. He has the keys, Revelation tells us, amen, of death and hell, amen, he has that. So it had to be given, amen, and he opened the bottomless pit to let out, if you remember, those hideous, grotesque locusts 
that had uh, some features that were totally not like a locust. Amen. That we, we, we uh, pondered upon could actually have been some type of demonic spirits or power. But if that's the case, here comes an angel now. The Lord says, absolutely, it's an angel that comes with the key. And now what maybe formerly Satan unlocked to let demons out of, the angel has come to take the one who let them out, put him in it, the bottomless pit, and lock him up. The angel has the key locking up the enemy. First time it's unlocked, it's to let something out. Second time it's unlocked is to put something in. And here is what the angel will do according to Revelation 20. And this is just the concise Reader's Digest version. He's going to grab the devil. He's going to bind the devil with one great chain, the Bible says. He's going to cast him into the bottomless pit. He's going to shut him up, if you will, or lock him in the bottomless pit. He's even going to set a seal on him. And then same angel 1,000 years later is going to lose the enemy now this is something neat to me this might be one of those things I like it and you don't but it's neat to me to consider that whenever Christ was put in a tomb for three days they put a Roman seal upon his grave but it could not hold him he came out of it by his own power but the seal that's put upon the enemy stays for a thousand years and he gets out not by his own accord but because he was released Amen. And so during the millennial reign or the kingdom of God, vice versa, I'm using that synonymously. Amen. During the millennial reign, Satan will be bound. And the Bible says specifically he'll have no sway over the nations. He has since the beginning of time had sway over the nations with his ability, which is, if you want to call it the high watermark for him, his ability to deceive. He's been able to deceive the nations forever and ever, but now he has no sway over the nations. He's not going to be able to deceive them. And the Bible says in verse number four, and I saw thrones, John continues, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. He says, I saw thrones, and then he says, they sat upon them well we're a, we're a little bit at for a lost here because he said he's seen thrones and then he just goes straight to they and we really don't have no reference who's they what's they who is they who's they that set up on the thrones who are them then there's that word them who are them to whom the judgment was given i mean it just kind of comes out of left field a little bit so who, who are they who is it and, and again we're looking through a glass darkly, okay? You'll go through away from here tonight with questions. I might provoke some. And don't come to me because I can't answer them. If I could, I'd answer them right now while I'm talking. All right? So we look through a glass darkly. And so what I'm about ready to talk about, I'm not being dogmatic about. I'm only listing some poss possibilities, all right? Who this they or them possibly could be that's setting upon thrones, amen, and, and to them is given the judgment. Amen. Some of these we, we may possibly see back from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7. And I'm going to read verses 18, 22, and 27. The Bible says in Daniel 7, But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Verse 27. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is the everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. There's a possibility. There's a possibility. I underscore that, all right, lest anybody just twist me around here all right there's a possibility that they and them may part and parcel or could include some of the old testament saints that held true to their understanding of god in their time frame that those are some of those that are setting up on the throne reigning and ruling with the lord old testament saints uh, did they have baptism water and spirit no that wasn't their dispensation christ hadn't even been to the cross yet none of that happened but they did what they knew to do concerning the keeping of the law to the best of their ability for their dispensation session all right so it could be them this is another possibility matthew 19 and verse 28 and jesus said unto them he's speaking to his apostles here jesus said unto them verily i say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the son of man shall sit in the throne of his glory ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel again 
Jesus is speaking to the apostles here, the disciples, if you will, that they may be numbered among those that sat on thrones when he sits on his thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. So it could be a possibility that the apostles, the disciples, even of Jesus' day, could be a part of that they or them that sat up on thrones that John saw and that also gave judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. The Bible states these words. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to New Testament saints. This is post-Pentecost. means the Holy Ghost has been given. All right? Born again, water and spirit. He's speaking to these people and he says, Do ye know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He said, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? He's talking about himself and those whom he is talking to. How much more things that pertain to this life. So there's a possibility, possibility, that the they and them may include New Testament saints, born of the water and the spirit saints, Pentecost-filled saints, amen, that could be, if I could boil it down this, the church could possibly be some of those that are sitting on the seats of judgment and upon the thrones that John sees during the millennial reign as well. Well, which is it, Brother McGee? I don't know. It may be one, two. It may be all of them. Maybe none of them. But I'm just throwing that out there for you to consider and to think about. But there's another group that may be eligible. And it's what's spoken of in verse number four. Because as he speaks of them, John says, and I saw, verse four, of Revelation, thank you. Look, he says, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands and lived and reigned with Christ. And they, everybody say they, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Who he's talking about? Well, those that have been beheaded for the testimony of Christ, the word of God, didn't receive the mark. Those are people that have been through tribulation because the mark and all that are only things that happen in the tribulation. So it had to be people that came through the tribulation. So when we're talking about the possibility, people that beheaded for his name and for the word of God, we're talking about people, tribulation saints, that could possibly be in that group of they and them. And he even says, and they shall reign a thousand years with me concerning right there and they shall reign a thousand years with me and so we learned their description they're beheaded for the, the witness of Christ the word of God they didn't worship the beast or his image and they did not take his mark in their foreheads or in their hands and the Bible says look at it in verse 4 that he, John says I saw the souls everybody say souls I saw the souls of them but in the same verse he says just a little bit further down in that same verse he says and they lived and reigned. The word lived there is the same word that denoted the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that word lived. When you go to John 11 and verse number 25, Jesus speaking to Martha and Mary, and Martha saying, Lord, if you'd been here sooner, our brother Lazarus would have not have died. And she says, I know that he'll live in the resurrection. Jesus says unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That word live there is in reference to resurrection. That word in the Greek is the exact word that is used here in Revelation chapter 20. He said, I seen the souls. He says, but, and they lived. What we're talking about here then is the resurrection of the tribulation saints, which is still a part of that first resurrection. It's a part of the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. Now, for that matter, can you put up Revelations 20 and verse 6? Revelations 20 and verse number 6. So, the them, they, those are possibilities. Don't go out here and say, well, Brother McGee said this is exactly what it is. I'm saying those are possibilities. We'll understand it better by and by. Amen. Nevertheless, in Revelations 20 and verse number 6, here was, again, like I stated, another beatitude of the revelation. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power. But they, who? Those of the first resurrection. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, as a springboard for me of what I just said of the possibilities, the Old Testament saints, the church, the tribulation saints, the apostles, all of them are part of the first resurrection. And so if the first resurrection 
they have no, second death has no power over them. It goes on to say, and they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Who? Those in the first resurrection. Who? As I said, all those are a part of that first resurrection. Now, whether that includes all of them or just some of them, time will tell. Amen. So, those that are part of the first resurrection will not be affected by the second death. They, the first resurrection people. Amen. Verse 5 then indicates, verse 5 indicates that though the tribulation saints may resurrect at this time, that the rest of the dead, the Bible says, would not resurrect until the end of the thousand years. And we've talked about this. So we got this thousand years, this millennial reign, this kingdom. All the first res people happen from this time frame, that direction. Jesus, of course, being the firstborn of them all, Scripture says, the firstborn from the dead. Amen. But the first resurrection happens in phases. You have Jesus Christ. You have some that are resurrected at his resurrection. The graves were opened at his crucifixion, but they were resurrected at his resurrection, which were Old Testament saints. You have uh, the church, that the dead in Christ, and I'm going to repeat myself, okay, because I'm away from my notes, but the dead in Christ rise. All right, that's part of the first resurrection. You have tribulation saints. That's part of the first, first resurrection. But all these that happen after the fact is second res, second res people. You go in the first resurrection, second death, second death you don't have to worry about boom first res second death you don't have to worry about you in the second resurrection that 2d second death check you do have to worry about verse number five then tells us that the rest of the dead the tribulation saints might have been resurrected but the rest of the dead would not resurrect until the end of the thousand years so basically what has happened before the millennial reign of christ all of the righteous dead are resurrected. All right? All the righteous dead are resurrected. Amen. Leading up to millennial reign or what is denoted as the first resurrection. All right? Again, Jesus Christ being first namely. Amen. Some of the Old Testament saints at his resurrection. The graves opened at his crucifix. and They came forth at his resurrection. You need a reference. Matthew 27 verses 52 and 53. The church, the dead in Christ rise. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. Amen. The tribulation saints, we just looked at that in verse number 4. Amen. They, they're souls of them, but, and they lived. Exact same word that he used in John concerning Christ's, speaking of himself, being the resurrection. Amen. Everybody all right? We're doing okay. Amen. <clears throat> so according then to verse number 6, Maybe I'll just leave there. I don't have to draw twice the same thing. According to verse number 6, it appears then that the, re, the, the, the tribulation saints will have an active place in governing during the millennium. Amen. Because blessed is he that take part in the first resurrection shall reign with him a thousand years, shall, priest, shall be priest of God and of Christ. Amen. They'll be priest of God. The tribulation saints, they're going to be able to rule upon this earth with Christ that we're on right now amen Old Testament saints possibility that they'll do the same the church possibility that they will do the same but I know through scripture from earlier in Revelation Revelation chapter 1 Revelation chapter 5 that not only the church be able to reign and rule on the earth but their rule exceeds from the earth even to the heavens something special about the church you remember last week whenever we spoke the church is the bride of Christ and if you look at other things such as Old Testament saints or even tribulation saints, the best that they get is being guest of the marriage supper. All right? Amen. Amen. There's only one bride, and that is the church. Amen. Now, <clears throat> we've looked at this, as I said before, first and second resurrection. To clarify that a little bit more of the righteous and of the wicked, you might call it. We went over this, but I deemed that necessary to do it again tonight. John chapter 5 and verse number 29, the Bible says... And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. That's first resurrection, resurrection of life. Oft times this is also referred to as the better resurrection. And I don't think I gotta spell out why, but the better resurrection. And he says, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. 
That's the second resurrection, the evil, separated by a thousand years of the millennial reign of Christ, of course. Daniel spoke very similarly of the same in Daniel 12 and verse number 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. He's speaking that. It's not saying that they're both coming up at the same time. It's saying that each are going to resurrect. Some's going to be to life. Some's going to be unto contempt or to damnation, those that have done evil. And so the first resurrection is for life. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the righteous. The second resurrection is the resurrection, amen, of the evil. It's for death. And so the minimum, the minimum amount of time that can be from the first resurrection to the second is a thousand years. Of course, the tribulation saints will be those the closest. The church will be further removed, but the minimum amount of time will be a thousand years. It will be that time frame that the enemy is bound between those two resurrections of a thousand years and Christ and his saints reign, all right? So, nobody, lest they would say this, nobody will be able to say that all the dead will be resurrected prior to this thousand-year reign of Christ and therefore be given them another chance to accept the gospel in the 1,000-year kingdom of God reign. Not happening. Not happening at all. Amen. In certain aspects, only those that would have any possibility for the gospel are those that are being born during that time frame that's going to live for a very long time. And what a great opportunity when there is no presence of the adversary to be able to do that. Amen. And so Christ is, and I, I hope I'm not going overboard here, but Christ is the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1 and verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn, the Bible says, from the dead, speaking of Christ, that in all things he might have the preeminence. It seems as though Christ is the first from the dead. Let me clarify. The first from the dead with a resurrected body. You have Lazarus and you have Jairus' daughter, but both of those were resurrected seemingly to the body that they had not to a different body. Matter of fact, I don't know if we have necessarily any place in Scripture, but there were some that were in an attempt to kill Lazarus so he could die again. You understand what I'm saying? It's not they were resurrected to a different body. They were resurrected to the body that they died in, Lazarus and Jairus. But Jesus is the firstborn that was resurrected from the dead. His body was different. Ask Peter and John and them in some of the occurrences. He was different. He walked through a wall. <laughs> he was different. As a matter of fact, you read in 1 Corinthians 15 where we talk about the spiritual and the natural. It, it gives us a, a very clear illustration that we can all wrap our hands around. It says, whatever, whatever you plant in the ground of seed, whenever it comes out of the ground, it is not of the same fashion that was planted in the ground. A sunflower seed doesn't pop up and still look like a sunflower seed after it's been buried in the ground. It, you can read 1 Corinthians 15. It comes up differently. And so those of us that are resurrected will have a different form body than what we had whenever we were put into the ground. Amen. You can read all about that in 1 Corinthians. I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And so when it says the first resurrection, it's speaking about in priority. Uh, priority. It includes all the resurrection of the righteous dead prior to the millennium. So really in this whole totality of life, there's the possibility of two births spoken of. Two, let's go to the resurrections. Resurrections spoken of and two deaths. Your first birth is your natural birth. Born of your mom, natural birth, natural birth. Your first death is when you terminate from this life. They put you in the ground six feet under. Your resurrection, whether it's this or this, is determined about whether or not you had a second birth to a certain degree, or I might say based upon whether or not you accepted the gospel of your dispensation. When we talk about Old Testament saints that didn't have Calvary didn't have all those things. But when we're talking about the church, we're talking about absolute second birth mentality, born again, water and spirit. So if you have two births, you only have one death and one resurrection. That's the first resurrection. But if you only have one birth, you're going to have two deaths 
because you have the resurrection that is the second resurrection. And all of those that are in the grave and in Hades are going to be turned over into the second death, which is those being thrown into the lake of fire where they'll burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So you want to be born again again. <laughs> you want to be born again and again. I think Johnny James used to say it like this. If you're born twice, you just die once. But if you're born once, you die twice. Amen. Amen. And so, <clears throat> I don't know if there's anything else for me to say. But whenever, and we'll get to this later, but whenever those are thrown into the lake of fire, you have death and you have the grave thrown into the lake of fire. See, that is really the great final victory. Because if you'll remember in that 1 Corinthians 15, remember, the death and the grave be swallowed up in victory. Amen. There'll be no more. Why? Because they're going to be now assumed and taken care of in the lake of fire. I want to say something. I might be getting ahead of myself. I probably am, but that's all right. Here's what I want you to ponder, folks. And I don't know. We don't really have anything in Scripture to clarify this whatsoever. That if anybody during this time frame will stay true to God. We don't have no information on that whatsoever. The only thing I know is that the termination of this is that the second resurrection, all of the wicked dead are at the great white throne judgment. We don't see no other judging for someone that made it through. Here's what I want us to ponder, and I'll get back to it and talk about it more next week. It was a time of thousand years. They had no oppression from Satan, yet they still didn't live for God, which was very conclusive for Christ, that living for God doesn't have anything to do per se with Satan, your success or failure at it. Now, he can make environments to help maybe trip you up, but the success and failure is not dependent upon the presence or absence of Satan because man born during this time is still born after the nature of man with sin in his life. And the only way to eradicate sin is not eradicating the devil, is to allow God and his blood to wash you and cleanse you. So through all of creation, whatever all the havocs, and it's really bad right now, it doesn't matter if it wasn't so bad, we still would have to go to Christ. You remove Satan from the picture, whatever he may be doing in your life right now, remove it. Your success and failure is based upon what you allow Christ. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.